Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So Eric Bill said it's starting already. This is the first text of the show. It's from a guy named Steve who says, Could you guys please tell these morons out here to turn their headlights on? Uh, it's the yeah. law. Yeah. So, okay, that, that I'm not calling you a moron. I'm, it's Steve from Kenosha who's saying, morons, turn on your lights. Aside from Debbie actually taking the station vehicle out to the interstate and flagging people down, I'm not sure what else we can do right, on that. I feel like that. she tells everybody all the time. Because it the is the law. On. Your lights are supposed yep. to be on when, yep. the, when, when the windshield wipers yes. are on, yes, right? Yes, That's yes. how it works. Okay. Now, it's, I, I finally broke down and did something this morning, Eric, um, because I am normally pretty good when really bad things happen, I, I'm normally I'm, I'm I'm very good about being well adjusted. Okay, let, let's deal with this. So I, I'm good with the big stuff. Every once in a while, I'm not good with the little stuff though, and it just kind of bothers me and bothers me. And you know, fi- and then finally, it's like, okay, I'm I'm going to deal with this. You know, you know okay. how that goes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of these little things that has been, and I admit this is a very very little thing. Do you have at home? Do you have do you have cable TV? Do you have Spectrum? No, not anymore. Okay, no, you we're do done not, with cable. Okay, you you are you have cut the cord. Well, all right. What Spectrum has done is that they reprogrammed all their cable boxes so that when you turn the TV off, you know, it used to be that it would go to whatever channel you had on last. Sure, so, you know, sure. you're you're watching ESPN, you go to bed, you turn the thing back on it's in on ESPN. Right. That would with, make sense. Without telling anybody and without giving any notice. What they did in the last couple of weeks, because now they've got this new Spectrum News Channel, oh, Channel yeah. One, Channel One, which yeah. and actually a former colleague of ours, um, Diane Irving, mm-hmm. she she runs it, and, and it's actually it's not a bad product. You know, it's like their their continuous news thing. They've mm-hmm. got weather on the ones, and it's actually, I, candidly, it's not that bad a product. But 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 they, without telling anybody, they reprogrammed all the cable boxes, so then when you shut off your TV. And then you turn it back on; it automatically goes to oh, their news that. channel. Okay, you know, so this is their way of. Now you can change the channel, but it's their way of of forcing you essentially to watch the channel. Because I mean, a lot of people they just turn it on; they kind of like leave it on mm-hmm. or whatever. Sure, sure. And and I mean, I appreciate it. It's their way to try to boost attention and boost ratings and boost whatever. But. No other media outlet can do that. We don't have the power at WTMJ to adjust people's radio and say every time it doesn't matter what you're listening to. Every time you turn on the radio, it's going to go back to WTMJ. Yeah. So now I understand this is a really really tiny thing, but it's been hacking me off. Now I thought there was like a solution. Well, there for is. This. Right, right. There is, but you have to you have to and see. At the end of the day, I'm basically lazy when it comes to this <laughs> stuff. You know, I'm I'm one of these, well, I'm, sorry, I'm one of these guys that I'm, I'm instead of lighting the candle, I'm cursing the darkness. But I mean, it's been going on for like. A week or two, and and it's just I'm getting increasingly frustrated. Not and again, it's not a bad news product. It's just I, I think they're manipulating people to artificially get people to watch the the shows. So yes, there is a way to do it. So finally, last night I I don't know what set me off. It was kind of like. Okay, this is it. So we have all these different TVs in the house. So I went TV by TV, and yes, you you could you take the remote 
and you hit settings, and then you click on display, and then you know there's two or three more <laughs> steps. You can do it. It takes okay. a couple minutes. So, and but yes, I went room by room for all our various TVs, changing the you know what's going to comes on. What's you're you're going to miss it now. You're going to wish it was on on the ones. You're going to want to see the weather. Something's going to happen. Well, then I you... can turn it on. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, look, and again, I'm not encouraging people not to watch the thing. I'm just thinking it's annoying that. You know, they're forcing you onto their thing because Spectrum has the cable box and they also have the news channel. There's something, there's kind of something monopolistic about that that bothers me. But in any event, I took care of it. So like I say, I'm cool with the big things. You know, I'm not worried about the rain that's coming or stuff like that. I I can deal with that. But it's a little stuff. It's a damn TV. (laughs) keeps coming back to that Channel 1 and I didn't give him permission. So that's my vent of the day. Well, happy Friday to happy you. Happy Friday. Oh, yeah. It's gonna end. And, you know, and, you know, like the guy in Kenosha says, hey, turn your lights on. So, okay, we're, we're going to go from there. Hey, let me, just a quick programming announcement. This is, of course, the Memorial Day weekend. And there has been a tradition here at WTMJ for actually the last couple of decades. My, my friend and former colleague, Charlie Sykes, would do a special segment um, devoted to Memorial Day every year. I picked up that after he, he left, and we're going to do that at the start of the 1 o'clock hour today. It's your opportunity to remember someone who served. Um, and and it's, it's always been a very, very moving segment, and so we will do that. We're going to do that after the 1 o'clock news. After the 2 o'clock news, we've got John McCure. We'll be talking to him. He is back in Toronto, Pop Culture Corning, coming up at 2.30. But our special Memorial Day tribute, that will kick off a little bit after 1 o'clock today. All right, let us get started. Tough game last night for the Bucks. No, no question about it, and I acknowledge that like – like many people, I, I was wrong as to how I thought this series was going to develop. I have always argued that over a seven-game series, I think the better team ends up winning. My my belief was the Bucks were a much better team than Toronto, and yet they've now lost three games in a row. And if you watched certainly the last couple games, you would challenge my assessment that the Bucks were a better team. I mean, Toronto, I think, played certainly... I think you can make an argument the last two games in particular, Toronto has played a lot better than the Bucks. So now the Bucks have to go up to Toronto, a very hostile environment. They have to play uh, on the road just for the opportunity to come back here Monday night and try to win. And I, I understand I am as surprised as anybody that this is, has resulted in this particular result. But nevertheless, it is what it is. And it's interesting to me because I was listening to a lot of people talk today and it appears almost everybody has jumped off the bucks bandwagon it appears that you know you've got people who are despondent and somebody was saying to me today this is the curse of ray allen that continues of course ray allen the great bucks player that was traded away by george carl in a fit of pique break allen arguably one of the best players that's ever played for the bucks who wanted to stay here they traded him and the bucks have been struggling ever since then it's kind of been the curse of ray allen i heard people talking about that and I guess I've had a couple reactions. First of all, win, lose, or draw tomorrow night. I think this has been a magical season for the basketball team and for the community. You look at you know all the activity that's gone on outside Fiserv Forum in the Deer District. You look at all the people that were there last night, and it's clear that this team has captivated the interest of the city in a very, very positive way. So to me, win, lose, or draw, the season is a success. At the same time, 
this is a really good basketball team, and I don't think that this is, even after a couple tough losses, I think this is the last point in time that you necessarily want to jump off the Bucks bandwagon. If you believe the Bucks were a better team going into this series, shouldn't we still believe that they've got the capability to go to Toronto to win a game and then come back and win another game? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm not ready to jump off this particular bandwagon. I think they have a decent chance to win on Saturday night. Is the season over? Should we be despondent? Is this a failed season? Because if they lose tomorrow night, they'll have lost four games in a row. My answer would be no, it's not a failed season. And no, I don't think people should be giving up hope. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you ready to jump off the bandwagon? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Look, I don't mean to be Pollyanna about this, but I mean, all this, all this doom and gloom and people jumping off the Bucks bandwagon, it's been a magical season. And you know what? Well, I have a text here that says it, Jeff. If the Raptors can win three in a row, including one in Milwaukee, the Bucks can win two in a row. Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of how I look at this. Dave in Milwaukee. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave. Okay, let's try Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're on WTMJ. How you doing, Jeff? Good, Tom. I think they've lost their focus, their drive, and their attitude. I think that uh, when, it, when, it, when they won those first two games, uh, you could see that they had, had it together. And I guess it's just like Tiger. All of a sudden, when he loses his focus, uh, he's, he's all of a doesn't have the doesn't have that attitude and that drive to do, uh, to make it go. Uh, okay, well, can they get it back for Saturday night? Well, I hope that they can make it uh, for the next two games. I would like, like huh. to see that happen. I like to see them uh, besides uh, Giannis and you know a couple of the other players. They're like like a team effort. Uh, well, I think I mean well that's. I mean, look. There's no question that you know if you're if you're going to win, you have to play at the top of your game, and you can't miss nine shots in a row, and you know hit you know one out of thirteen or whatever silly stuff they did during that period last night. And 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 I understand it, but teams have good games and teams have bad games. And somebody just sent me a text and said, "Well, you know, I think they peaked too early. Toronto's peaking now. Um, Golden State is peaking now. Well, okay, but how do you explain then, you know, manhandling Detroit and manhandling Boston and winning the first two games? I mean, I just think they've had a couple bad games. Toronto has maybe made some adjustments, so the Bucks have to figure that out. Look, they might go ahead and lose on Saturday night. I mean, I I haven't been very good at calling the last couple games because I thought they were going to win it in five. But I guess I'm just not willing to throw in the towel here. I think you have." have to look at it and say okay if it's been a great season and you know what they've still got a good chance i mean don't don't hang your head here's a text jeff even if they don't come back and take the series they've still had a great season i'm not a big basketball fan but have definitely followed the bucks in the last month or so i will continue to root for them through their last game wherever that is if the raptor raptors knock them out i won't watch a single minute of the championship series if the bucks come back and win in toronto and again in milwaukee it could then give them a great head of steam heading into the championship series yeah i mean i think that's all i I think that's all you know accurate that that's there it's that they've had a great season and i i maybe maybe they're maybe they've accomplished too much too soon 
Maybe it's this idea. I mean, keep in mind, when was the last time? How many years has it been since the team has advanced beyond the first round of the playoffs? And maybe there gets to be more intense pressure, and maybe you need some people with more playoff experience and stuff like that. But it's still an incredibly talented team. It, it just is. And it's captivated the interest of the city. I mean, I told this story last weekend. I, I, I was at a party, a small dinner party on Sunday Sunday night, and you know, after after dinner, everybody gathered around the TV set. And I'm willing to bet there were four couples. I'm willing to bet that probably half of the people hadn't hadn't watched more than five minutes of a professional basketball game, certainly this year. But everybody was there. Everybody was rooting for the Bucks. Now that was the game they lost in double overtime. But we it captured the interest of the city. So I guess. I'm trying to give a little bit of a pep talk for everybody who's kind of hanging their heads and saying, okay, this this series is over and it's the curse of Ray Allen and the whole season is going to be a waste. No, they won just a ton of games. They won 60 games. They've had a lot of success. And you know what? They make a couple three-point shots and get a couple rebounds and play with some aggression, and they end up perhaps you know coming back Monday night for a Game 7. And wouldn't that be cool if that happened? Can you imagine if they somehow win the game Saturday night against Toronto? Can you imagine what uh, the Deer District and Fiserv Forum is going to look like Monday night, you know, Memorial Day evening for a Game 7? How cool and exciting would that be? So my message is don't hang your head. Go Bucks. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, stay tuned. The, the roads appear to be a mess, and I don't know if it's because of the weather or because lots of people trying to get out of town because of the Memorial Day weekend or whatever, but lots of mess on the roadways, and we will uh, probably be adding some extra traffic updates to just keep you apprised. So you think you're having a bad day? Okay. Well, imagine if you're Theresa May, the now soon-to-be outgoing Prime Minister of Great Britain, and... and it's. I, I feel sorry for her, and, and, and here's here's why. You know, she took over back in 2016. British voters had a hissy fit and surprised everybody by voting for this Brexit, which is having the United Kingdom withdraw from the European market. All right. Well, nobody thought that that was going to pass. But the voters voted for it, and David Cameron, who was the prime minister at the time, he stepped down. He said, look, I, I'm not the guy to lead us to, through this because I think this is going to be bad. All right? So he stepped down. Theresa May took over, and she was committed to following through on what the voters said they wanted. Here's the problem. Voters didn't really know what they were voting for. And to try to remove yourself from the European Union is, number one, it's not easy. And number two, it's incredibly painful. And what she's finding is she can't cut a deal. Um, Her party, the opposition party, nobody can agree on the terms. Because, frankly, I think most people that are in elected office disagree with the voters and don't think it's a good idea to leave. So she can't get anybody in her party or in the opposition party to agree with one of her plans. Plus, you've got the European Union who's saying, hey, hey look, you know, you, you want to pull out. That's fine. Why don't you just pull out and go it on your own? In which case, it would isolate Great Britain. It would be an economic disaster for Great Britain. So she's been trying to navigate all these different things and quite candidly finally just today gave up said okay I can't do this I'm stepping down whoever replaces me I think her attitude is kind of go with God but if you think you've got a tough job imagine being Theresa May over the course of the last year and a half and candidly I think she's probably going to leave office saying gee I wish I could have spent my time as prime minister trying to do something different than this I did my best I don't know what the answer is other than 
Well, I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know how many other political scalps are going to be claimed in the name of Brexit. But Theresa May, she is stepping down. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Quick reminder, coming up in about a half hour, our annual Memorial Day tribute, your opportunity to remember and recognize people who have uh, uh, contributed to the freedoms that we all enjoy. Okay, if you're a regular listener to this program, you, you know that I've said repeatedly that you couldn't pay me enough money to drive a Milwaukee County bus. It's just, to me, it's a difficult and thankless job, um, compounded by the fact that I think in many respects, the bus company doesn't help make people's jobs easier. I mean, this is the same bus company, for example, that um, doesn't require you to pay if you get on the bus and you refuse to pay, the driver's allowed to ask you to pay once or twice, and then if you don't pay, you, you get to ride the bus. Um, they, they, there's no way of enforcing that. You have drivers that have to put up with all sorts of, I think, misbehavior and backtalk and things like that from the passengers. And you have drivers that are quite candidly exposed. Um, you had a story last week where you had a bus driver who had somebody get on the bus. The bus driver asked them to pay the fare. The person refused. The bus driver asked again. And then the person pulls out a knife and starts stabbing at the bus driver over over the barrier. So you have these bus drivers that are very, very exposed. And like I say, I think it's a very dangerous position to be in. So there's been pretty much a degree of hostility between the bus company and between the union. And they've got all these different issues that they are negotiating. And one of the things that the union is asking for, which I think is is a reasonable thing, is they are asking for more protection for the drivers. One of the things that they want is that they want the drivers to be closed off, essentially, from from the general public, not just this little plastic shield that somebody can reach over and stab. So I I. I understand. I understand that. I think that's very valid. The other thing that the head of the bus drivers union is saying is he wants the transit company to change its policy to allow bus drivers with concealed carry permits to be armed. In other words, allowing them to carry firearms on their route, presumably, I guess, so that they could defend themselves and defend passengers. Now, I don't know how this this plays out. For example, last week, you have the bus driver who's confronted by the angry patron who pulls out a knife and is trying to stab him. Presumably, I guess the reaction would be in self-defense, the bus driver would have then pulled out his gun or her gun and shot the person. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me not bury the lead here. I'm a big believer in concealed carry. I, I am, I am, I am. I'm a big believer in Second Amendment rights, and I think firearms can be a deterrent to criminal activity. I have serious reservations, though, about whether the way to approach violence on the Milwaukee County buses is to arm the bus drivers. I think rather... The way to approach this matter would be to say, hey, if we've got routes where we have problems, what we need to do is we need to commit the resources to having, I don't know, trained security guards, maybe those people armed 
on the buses to protect everyone. You're going to have to do a lot of convincing to me to convince me that arming bus drivers is the way to go. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Lucy on the west side. Hi. Hi, um, Lucy. I have every sympathy with the bus drivers. I do ride the buses some. My son rode the bus when he was in high school. There are a lot of lunatics and really bad people out there in the world, no surprise. Right. And a lot of them find their way onto the Milwaukee County buses. Right. And my fear is that the bus drivers will be overtaken, the guns taken away, and the violence get worse. I mean, some agile, agitated person, if they see the bus driver with a gun, and the bus driver is seated behind the vehicle trying to drive, trying to steer the vehicle. Can you imagine how easily that gun can be taken away? Well, that's a possibility as well. Plus, I mean, I don't I don't know that the bus... I, I mean, look, concealed carry. You, you can get a permit in the state of Wisconsin without going through any proficiency training or anything, yeah. you know, like, like that. It's not like what you have to go through as a law enforcement officer to be able to carry a firearm. And, and candidly... I, I just, I, I think bus drivers understanding that you're going to be in confrontational situations without some sort of specialized training, I, I'm not sure we want shootouts on county buses. Right, and the reason the bus drivers are doing this is because they despair of getting more security guards because of the budget crunch. Right, right, exactly, and that's, and that's, I mean, see, thanks, see, that's, that to me is the solution. I mean, it, it's not arming bus drivers because just because you have a concealed carry permit doesn't mean you have a degree of proficiency with that firearm. I mean, I before we had concealed carry, I've told the story before. I, I used to get death threats in another life, and so I went through a couple of years where I was a special deputy U.S. marshal. I was entitled to carry a concealed firearm, but I had to go for training and you know prove that there was a degree of proficiency. And if Lord forbid I ever had to pull out that firearm, theoretically, I'd, I'd know what. To to do with it. We don't have that degree of training that's out there. And given the volatile nature of the situation, I just don't think this is the way to go about it. If security is an issue, number one, I think it is perfectly reasonable to say we gotta we gotta enclose them more. Let's get some protect better protective barriers there and then um find the money somewhere to put some security people on the these routes. I mean talk to the county sheriff. I mean if some of these bus routes are leading to harm, that's the way I think that you go about the situation. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jeff in Muskego. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm all for um, the security half. As far as a driver ca- carrying, and I would never put that on a driver. I mean, if he had to shoot somebody and live like that the rest of his life, right? it's a terrible thing to go through. I shoot competition pistol twice a week, and I would have, I, I would not hesitate to defend myself, but I think we need more security on the buses. We need more police officers. Right. And until we change our prison system, this is going to be a revolving door, my friend. Um, mm-hmm. These guys get three hots and a cot. Um, yeah. They need four walls, a jumpsuit, <laughs> and let them earn things. Well, I mean, I, get, I mean, I think they should go. I mean, look, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm 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 all in favor of of holding people more and more accountable. But I mean, going back to to the larger point, I mean, drivers are hired to drive buses. 
Drivers aren't hired to provide security. And I mean, I understand that some people in a situation, I look, I, I get that you've got concealed carry and I get that if you've got a permit, you've got people that might be driving around with firearms in their cars. But that's that's different than you're working and you're driving a commercial bus route. You're hired to drive. Should the bus company do more to protect you? Absolutely. And that's why I think it's fair to say, why are, you know, why is somebody able to pull out a knife and reach over a plastic barrier and stab a bus driver? I agree that that is completely and totally unacceptable. At the same time, the bus driver is hired to drive the bus. The bus driver isn't hired to engage in a shootout with, you know, some crazy person that gets on the bus. 414-799-1620. We pick it up right there. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us, Jeff in Glendale. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing today? Good. Is it a good idea to arm bus drivers? Um, it is not, and anybody who knows me would kind of be surprised at that. I'm a big advocate. I support you know, gun rights. I'm a concealed carry holder. I actually even support arming our teachers. Um, on the bus, the other hand, there's a couple of factors you have to think about. Number one is, I don't know how much a bus weighs, it's got to be over five tons, but he's in charge of that bus and he has to stop it and make sure that's out of the way and out of the picture. Right. The other thing they, the other thing they teach you is know, know what your target is and what's beyond your target. Well, you are in a very, very confined space when you're in that bus. Um, and to, I'm running through scenarios in my head and I just don't see any way how a gun would even really Unless the guy got off the bus, the bus driver got off the bus and then used it somehow, I, it's just a bad scenario. I think it's too much of an inclined or too much of an enclosed space. Right. And uh, well, well, the other thing is, I mean, I've been trying to rack my brain since this story came out, and, and while I can remember incidents on buses, fighting, you know, drivers being punched at, and things like that, I, I don't, I don't remember too many situations. I'm not sure I can think of any situation where somebody pulled out a gun and, and started shooting, you know, on a bus, which right. ra- raises the question of, all right, yes, you want to improve security, but is this the way to do it? And I got to tell you, Jeff, I keep coming back to the whole idea of proficiency. You don't have to prove that you are proficient with a firearm to get a concealed carry permit. And I'm not sure I want somebody that's got a concealed carry permit but has never fired a gun in their life carrying one on a bus and deciding that they're going to pull it out and shoot it at somebody who starts screaming at them. Yeah, oh, I agree with that, too. They, they would need proper training 100% and be willing to do it, first of all. But even if all those were in place, like I said, to shoot on a bus, yeah, I mean, you, you, there's people sitting over the place. You don't know where that bullet's going to go. It would be just because I have a concealed carry doesn't mean if I come into a situation, I'm going to actually pull my gun out and use it. There's you have to think way ahead of what is right. happening in that certain scenario. No, no. I mean, think thanks for calling. I mean, I think the the best that look what we should be doing is not talking about arming bus drivers. We should be talking about what what is the underlying circumstance that leads to this situation. And again, I go back to the, my notion that bus drivers are hired to drive the buses. All right, that that's their job. That is what they're trained for. And driving a bus requires a lot of attention, a lot of conf- uh, you know consideration. If if there is a dangerous route, or and my guess is. My guess is the bus drivers, they know what routes are the problem, routes or not. To me, I think the reasonable thing is to go to the bus company and says, look, you have an obligation to provide us with a safe working environment. 
It's not our obligation to carry firearms to do this. You have an obligation to provide us a safe working environment. And so we, we want security people on, on these routes. And we want plainclothes police officers. And, and whether it's the city of Milwaukee or whether it's the Milwaukee County Sheriff, you know, wh- where is that security coming from? That's, I guess, where I think you, you start off in this equation. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Uh, my thoughts are exactly with yours. Uh, I think the bus service just drives the bus. If he's going to have to have a concealed carry or whatever, he's going to be at a disadvantage unless he has his weapon out on the armrest or on the dashboard. And uh, I think the best scenario would be to have uh, undercover cops on the bus on those routes. And that's my thought. He should, bus driver should not have to carry a firearm right yeah it, and, it, and if the if i mean thanks to call i guess i guess if if we reach this conclusion that the county bus routes are so out of control and so dangerous and i'm not saying they all are but i mean if this is the conclusion that they are so dangerous that the driver's lives are in danger to the point that they need to carry firearms to defend themselves. Well, then my question would be, well, what about all the other passengers? Now, I know the argument is passengers, I believe, you know, you, I, I believe they can bring guns. I think that's what the union guy was saying. Well, you know, passengers can have concealed carry. But at the same time, I mean, again, I don't remember shootouts on, on buses. To me, the answer is if if they're dangerous, if the routes are dangerous or whatever, what you need to do, bus company, is figure out security. And that's what, if I were the bus driver's union, I would be saying, look, we need more security on these buses. And, you know, it, it's our drivers should not be at risk. And then the responsibility, of course, figures out how, you, how you're going to pay for it. But, you know, the bus drivers have every right. They deserve to be safe as they go to work. And the rest of the passengers who ride the buses deserve to be safe. And I just think there's better ways to accomplish that than saying, okay, well, our answer is going to be to arm the bus drivers who may or may not be trained. And they're certainly not going to be deputized as law enforcement agents. I just think... I think it is a recipe for disaster, and like one of our previous callers, that comes from my perspective as somebody who does, you know, believe in, in concealed carry. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner. Coming up in about 10 minutes, our annual tribute to Memorial Day. If you have somebody in mind that you would like to recognize for their service to this country, it is your opportunity to do it. There's a story in the Journal Sentinel yesterday that, or today, that it, it's another one of these that just makes me want to bang my head against the wall. Yesterday, there was another one of these protests. This was out at the McDonald's on, on Good Hope Road, where he had a bunch of workers that showed up, about 40 people, you know, chanting for the fact that, well, they, they want to unionize and that they want to, you know, have a $15 an hour wage. Well, I, for, first of all, fast food workers have the right to unionize. I mean, there's a federal law that gives workers the right to unionize if they can get enough people to go along with it. So if you're not unionized, it's only because you couldn't get enough of your coworkers who signed on to that. Okay, so that's number one. Is we want the right to unionize. Give me a break. You've got the right to unionize. Number two, we want $15. What was the chant that they were saying? You know, supersize. Uh, let's see. Super, hold the burger. Hold the fries. Make our wages supersized. All right. Now, that might be catchy. But 
right? Again, the reaction is if the job isn't worth $15 an hour, and what is a job worth? A job is worth what an employer has to pay to find somebody to do it. If a job isn't worth $15 an hour, I don't believe that you should be paid $15 an hour. But the bigger point is, and this is what some of these demonstrators you know, need to wake up to, is be careful what you wish for. Because the fast food industry, and we've talked about this before, the fast food industry is becoming more and more automated. You know, more and more of the, you know, we don't need four people at the counter. We need like one person at the counter. And what we'll do is we'll have all these automatic kiosks kiosks where you go in and you punch in what it is that you want. And then you get a number and then they call your number and you go over to the counter and the person gives it to you. So instead of three or four people taking your order, well, you really only need one. Well, okay. At some point in time, when you start raising the wages and making the employer pay more for the job than the job is worth, it becomes easier and easier to say, you know what, I'm going to save money. I can get, uh, yes, it's going to cost me a few thousand dollars to go ahead and put in that self-serve kiosk, but you know what, you know, I'm going to make that money up in four months, and after that, it's going to be a lot more profit. So to anybody who is demanding more than their job is worth, my my thing would be, my cautionary tale would be, well, be careful what you wish for because you might supersize your wages, but you might also supersize yourself out of a job. This is Jeff Wagner, our Memorial Day tribute coming up in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. This is, of course, Memorial Day weekend leading up to Memorial Day on Monday for many of us. It's kind of the unofficial start of the summer season, and I don't, I don't know what this weekend might mean for you. If I, As I look at my calendar... And my schedule, thanks to my beautiful wife, I, I find myself, I'm going to be looking forward to coming back to work on Tuesday because I'm sort of overscheduled. We're, we're hosting parties at the house Friday, Saturday, Sunday. My hope is to play golf a couple times. I've got something i got going on with my brother as well. It's just, it's it's overscheduled to that extent, but it's going to be nice. We're going to be spending a lot of time with family and friends. But at the same time, you need to, in addition to all the cookouts and all if the weather holds, playing golf or all the activities and the picnics, what you need to do is you need to also remember what this holiday is about, and that is Memorial Day. There's an editorial that appears in today's Chicago Tribune, and I, I they've been running the same editorial of, since 2001. I want to share just a portion of it with you. Here's what it starts. The primary purpose of Memorial Day is to honor those who have sacrificed their lives to defend this country. There have been, though, many millions of others who gave portions of their lives to warfare but survived. This day is theirs, too. Most have come home from the wars to lead ordinary lives, not that their lives are the same as they would have been if they hadn't seen the bloodshed, the shattered lives, the lonely deaths. Many carry to the grave more unspoken memories they would like. These memories help shape, often profoundly, who they are and what they believe. And I I believe that 
that firmly? I mean, I understand that Memorial Day, you we recognize the people who are fallen, but it also recognizes the people who served so that we can enjoy the benefits that we have. It has been a tradition on this radio station for years and years and years. It was started by my friend and former colleague, Charlie Sykes, and I have tried to continue this um, in anticipation of Memorial Day, in advance of Memorial Day, to at least spend a couple segments opening up the phone lines to allow you to recognize and publicly remember somebody that you feel it's appropriate to do on Memorial Day. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is the segment of the program where, again, I turn I, I turn it over to you to recognize you know, somebody. Maybe it's a relative. Maybe it's a friend, somebody who served in the military. Maybe they've passed away. Maybe they're still living. But your opportunity to recognize someone that, that you think should be singled out for their service, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me start with a text from Beth who texts, Jeff, I would like to remember my great-grandfather, Warner, a Union soldier in the Civil War. Uncles George, Floyd, Philip, and Roger, World War II. Cousins Jack, Chuck, and Jim, Korea. Cousins PJ and Les, Vietnam. Cousin Beverly, Army Peacetime, and my husband Steve, Air Force peacetime. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your opportunity to, again, remember and recognize somebody as we lead into Memorial Day 2019. Let's start with Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're first. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Uh, my father was in uh, World War II in the Philippines, and he was in a Japanese <clears throat> prison camp for 32 months. And he had his leg amputated with a machete and a saw and no anesthetic because they did, the American doctors didn't have any. Well, wow. uh, He came home and worked for 35 years at GE Medical and uh, lived a productive life. And now his grandson, my son, destroyed the Army. I'm afraid of anything that might happen to him. You must be very proud of him, though. You're, you're, you must be very proud of your son. Very proud let me ask you this, Jim. Did your did did your dad talk about his his wartime experiences at all? My dad would talk about it if you asked him. He right. did not glory in it. He did not boast of it, but he was also not reticent. Right. And he would talk about it if you asked him. Yeah. I, in, I really wish I'd asked him more, much more. Yeah. It, isn't that interesting? Because so many people who who served and, and saw all that, they just. That, right. If you ask them, they'll talk about it. But it's it was just kind of they're they're doing their duty and they didn't want to make a big deal of it. He was a very quiet man. Um, Jim, thank you for your call. I appreciate it, and best of luck to your son. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Memorial Day two thousand nineteen. Is there someone that you would like to recognize? Bill in Stevens Point. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks, Jeff. Hi, Bill. Probably the most difficult day of my life was last year, also the proudest. I, I served in the 80s, and today my son is serving at Fort McCoy, and he will be there on Monday on Memorial Day as well in uniform on his birthday. But last summer he carried the flag grape coffin of my father, a 28-year lieutenant colonel, to his uh, mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. And it was the most difficult day for me, but most proud to mm-hmm. watch my son. Killed my father. When 
when did your bill when did your father serve he served uh in the 60s 70s 80s okay a 28 year uh and uh yeah okay like the previous caller you must be very proud of your son oh yeah very much so it is bill yeah, thank, we, thank my my mother and i will drive there to fort mccoy on monday and spend some time with him oh. on his birthday so uh, you, so you don't need anybody to lecture you on what lecture you on what the meaning of Memorial Day really is. <laughs> you know, and, and he's a college kid, and he works hard, and just a proudest. Um, so proud of that man. Thanks for the call, Bill. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We'll take a break. Back with more of your calls in just a minute. This is our sort of your ability to recognize anybody that you would like to as we move into the Memorial Day weekend in anticipation of Memorial Day twenty nineteen. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Let me share a couple of texts so we don't fall too far behind. Jeff, I would like to remember my hero and father, Sergeant John Herman. He was a decorated infantryman, including a Bronze Star with a Valor in combat um, from his service in Vietnam. Jeff, I'd like to recognize Richard Warden, high school friend who graduated from high school in 1967, died on July 4th, 1968, after being shot down while serving in Vietnam. Jeff, I'd like to recognize my father, Charles Hartnett, who's laid to rest at the Southeast Veterans Memorial Cemetery. The cemetery there has a wonderful celebration every year. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Well, thank you, sir. Uh, just wanted to... Recognize my uh, cousin, uh, Chris Miller, uh, Mueller, and uh, he died in 2003. He was a Navy SEAL. Um, he taught uh, special ops and then eventually went into dark ops with CIA and was killed in Afghanistan in 2003. Afghanistan in 2003. You know, it's. In fact, in fact my uncle gave me all of his uh, belongings. Mm. You know, it's you know we. I think you know a lot of times we we think of World War Two or we think of Korea or we think of Vietnam, and of course again with the the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan, all those there, there's a lot of people who who've given made the ultimate sacrifice just in the last decade or so as well. Oh yeah, I mean, and a lot of people don't realize what really what goes on, you know, with in the back doors, if you will. Right. He was on a secret mission, and, and they had, you know, they thought they had a um, cornered, um, you know, some mm-hmm. of the higher intel and and, right. whatnot, and 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 he was he got killed saving an Afghan soldier, actually. Well, well, Dave, thanks for the call. Uh, let's see, Debbie in Muskego. Debbie, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Debbie. Hey, my father was in World War II, and he was on a submarine, and a, they were at, submerged, and a destroyer came over him and dumped depth charges on him and knocked him to the bottom of the ocean, and they were on their side, and they had no way of turning over, of flipping over, so they were just going to stay there and die. But they sent up air bubbles, and the destroyer thought they might still be okay, and they sent another depth charge down, and it knocked them right back <laughs> up again. Wow. And they came back up and ended up destroying the destroyer. Wow. Wow. Did, your, did, your, did your dad talk a lot about his World War II service? Not, not a lot. 
Not a lot. That was one story he did tell us, though. Right. Well, that's I mean that's a story that has a happy ending. I can't, boy, I, I can't yeah. imagine that. Debbie, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. People that you would like to recognize as we move into Memorial Day twenty nineteen. Michael and Okachi. Michael, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes. Hello, Jeff. Hi, Thank Michael. you for continuing this uh, tradition. I love it. Um, I would like to. Uh, recognize and remember my father, Sanford Todd, who was in the Army. He landed uh, on D-Day in Normandy and survived all of that. And uh, I would also like to recognize my nephew, uh, Jeffrey Krieger, who served in the Army in Iraq and is now uh, probably serving as a Milwaukee policeman. Wow. Oh wow! Was your was your father Michael? Was was your father was it was it D Day or was it D Day plus five or ten or whatever or was it actually D Day? It was D Day. Wow! <laughs> yeah. Wow. He was he was he was shot, uh, but uh, survived and made it uh, all the way through the Battle of the Bulge, and he was in on the liberation of Paris. Wow! Wow. Did, did he talk about that? I, I'm, I'm just I'm fascinated by how people of the greatest generation handled that. Did, did he talk a lot about his war experiences? Not as a kid. Uh, yeah. When uh, when he was uh, much, much older, uh, in his late 60s, uh, my mother asked him to write it down. And uh, he was a quiet man, uh, but he so he wrote it down. And then would you believe uh he decided to record it, so he he uh, he read it. So we have a recording of his describing his uh, his uh, trip through Europe. Wow. Well, you know, I've I have um, I've been very fortunate in my life to have gone lots of places. I have never been to Normandy, and I intend to get there. I just I can't. I can't imagine what it must look like, what it must feel like, and I, I just I, I want to get there. I, I'm going to get there before I, I die. <laughs> I will tell you that last fall, my wife Pam and I took that trip, and we uh, we went to Normandy, and I stood on the beach. Uh, it was it. You should go, Jeff. It's yeah, it's magnificent. I'm 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 going to work it out. No, thanks. I'm 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 going to work it out. Just as as if if, if you can't tell, I I am a, a student of history. I absolutely love history, and I, I just think you know that that's. If you are a student of American history, you've got to go to Normandy, France. You you just absolutely have to. Um, all right, here's a note. Jeff, thanks for the segment. I'd like to recognize two men that are way better human beings than I will ever be. My father, Don, for Korean War service, and my uncle, Elwood, for his World War II Navy service. Both are gone now, but two men sacrificed so I wouldn't have to. This has allowed me to live in abundance and plenty my entire life. And that's that's kind of the point of, you know, again, Memorial Day. It's to recognize not only the people who passed away in service of the country, but at least in my mind, to recognize people who, who, who came back and saw so much and did so much and were forever changed by the horrors of war. Let's talk to um, Dan in Appleton. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you today? I'm well, thank you, sir. Who would you like to recognize? Well, I, I, I need to recognize my father, who was in a, uh, in an aircraft carrier in the Pacific towards the end of World War II. But the, the, the greatest honor is, um, I guess, all back my tears, is my daughter is doing the Memorial Day speech at the cemetery for the Appleton um, uh, recognition, and she is honoring my father. Wow. In there. So, wow. She was in a rough draft, and 
I couldn't hold it together. I said, throw it to me again. I want to hear it in its, in its purest form on, on Monday. So Wow, that's it. And again, you must be very proud of your daughter as well. Oh, it's, she's 18 years old. She's graduating high school this year, and they pick a high school. The beauty about um, the series, they pick a high school student every year, and she was selected. Yeah, I, I couldn't be prouder. Um, thanks a lot for the call, Dan. I appreciate it. All right. I, when we come back, I, I, I always wanted to devote a couple segments. I think it is important to keep this tradition going. When we come back before the news, I want to share, want to share the rest of that editorial with you. I, I rarely read things on the air, but it's something that I, I think captures a spirit of Memorial Day, and I want to leave it with you. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. I, as a rule, almost never, ever, ever read things on the air because, well, it's, it's not what I do. But there is an editorial in today's Chicago Tribune that I, I think is a, a perfect tribute to Memorial Day and to all the people who have served in the military and made so many sacrifices. I read a portion of it, but here it is in entirety. This editorial first appeared in the Chicago Tribune on Memorial Day of 2001. I don't know if they reprint it every year on Memorial Day, but they have uh, this year. Here's how it goes. The primary purpose of Memorial Day is to honor those who have sacrificed their lives to defend this country. There have, though, been many millions of others who gave portions of their lives to warfare but survived. This is their day, too. Most, like a former Chicagoan named Red Madsen, have come home from the wars to lead ordinary lives. Not that their lives are the same as they would have been if they hadn't seen the bloodshed, the shattered lives, the lonely deaths. Many carry to the grave more unspoken memories than they would like. Those memories may help shape, often profoundly, who they are and what they believe. Yet when the time comes to write their obituaries, their military service and all it meant to them gets reduced to a few lines. Not so with Red. When he died, his daughter Patricia wrote an obituary that wove Red's military experience into the rest of his life. She knew he had advanced, island by island, with U.S. troops approaching Japan in the weeks before two atomic bombs ended World War II. Not until after Red's death, though, did she learn he had earned a bronze star for combat heroism. He never mentioned it. This obituary was submitted to the Des Moines Register, where it charmed a young reporter who came across it. He shared it with a few friends. Since then, ever fainter photocopies have quietly circulated throughout the Midwest. Here, with Patricia Ann Madsen's permission, is an excerpt from her celebration of her father's life. Harry N. Red Madsen, 76, retired railroad brakeman, died September 15, 1996, in Audubon, Iowa, 13 miles from where he was born. After graduating from Audubon High School, he moved to Chicago. Shortly after Pearl Harbor, he enlisted in the Army, which put him in the Signal Corps. During training, he met Betty Kaplan of Brooklyn, New York, and married her in Stuart, Florida, before he was shipped to the Pacific. When the, island, when the Army finally let Red go in 1946, he and Betty settled in Chicago. He returned to Audubon and Westphalia, Iowa, working as a custom butcher. He later worked the railroad most of the time for the Chicago Northwestern. He married three times, with two of his spouses passing away. Red Madsen loved his wives, his wives, his kids, everybody else's kids, his family, dogs, fishing, whittling, doodling, reading, especially Mark Twain, cord automobiles, hoisting a few with friends and telling stories. It pleased him that the mischief might break out at any time, but it distressed him if anyone got hurt by it, unless maybe it was some powerful SOB who deserved it. 
red-hated hypocrisy, racial injustice, or any other kind, war and giving orders. He worked hard, he played hard, he loved hard, and there was not much in the world that didn't interest him. He knew if he knew you could use $20 and he had it to give, you'd have it. He despised locks and rarely used them. He liked to say that if some poor so-and-so needed something that badly, he shouldn't have to break in, too. He left very little behind except exasperated commanders, bemused bosses, charmed waitresses, and a special place in the heart of nearly everyone who ever met him, all of whom are happy. He has been released from pain and sorry as hell to lose him. Contributions may be made as follows. Hoist one in Red's memory and overtip the waitress by a fair factor. If you can't stop at just one, well, then just overtip the waitress. She needs it more than you. Give a bum a dollar, maybe five, and for once, don't worry about what he'll do with it. Learn something new. Make a fool of yourself so a child will laugh. Help get food to the hungry and don't worry about whether they deserve it. Don't worry about being safe. In fact, don't waste much energy worrying at all. Let life break your heart, and not just once. Love your neighbor and yourself and your God, if you're lucky enough to have one, with your whole heart. Every now and then, when no one is looking, go ahead and pick a flower you're not supposed to pick, but quick as you can, give it to someone. Remember, the second year the same person plants sweet corn next to where you work, they must mean for you to have some, because they know what happened last year. And if someone uses a racial slur around you, let them know that you just assumed they didn't, because Red Matson and a lot of other guys got shot at by people who thought that way, and you don't want to be on the same side as anybody who would take a shot at Red. <laughs> I just thought that was... I just thought that was great. And that's in today's Chicago Tribune. But again, it's kind of all tied into the meaning of Memorial Day. And I love the headline in the editorial, a Memorial Day request, hoist a glass for red today. I'm going to do that. All right. When we come back. All right. What about a dollar store where everything doesn't cost the dollar? Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. We do not go gently into the good Memorial Day weekend. There was an interesting story in the local newspaper uh, about an outfit called Dollar General Stores. Now, you have to be clear, Dollar General is not one of these stores where everything is a dollar. That would be, for example, um, uh, Dollar Tree. Dollar Tree is one of those places where you go in and everything's a dollar. How much is this? It's a dollar. How about this? It's a dollar. That's not what Dollar General is. Dollar General is kind of like Family Dollar. They're competitors, but Dollar General is much more successful. Dollar General is kind of like sort of a mini Walmart. If you go into these stores, and they have stores all over Wisconsin. They're, they're growing very quickly. They have 171 stores in Wisconsin now. And one of the things that they do is their, their business model is to go into more rural areas, uh, smaller populated areas. Now, Dollar General, not, it's not everything a dollar. But what they do is they have, I mean, think of a, think of a smaller version of, of Walmart. They, they pack the store um, with a, a whole array of, of items, pretty much any sort of small thing that you might need. But their their big revenue, uh, about three-quarters of their revenue, comes from selling what they call consumables, like food, cleaning supplies, paper products, health and beauty items, the same sort of stuff that you're going to find in, in supermarkets. But then they have... You know, they, they have the other stuff, like the housewares things. They've got spatulas and, you know, tape and paintbrushers and, and things like that. But 
but the big money comes from again the the consumables the the house cleaning stuff things like that they're moving into wisconsin in a big way and what they're doing is like i say they're moving into some of the the more rural areas where before dollar general what would happen is there would be you'd have like the small family grocery store that would serve the, the small community and now you've got the dollar generals that are are moving in this is kind of a repeat of what happened a couple decades ago where you had Walmart that would move into various communities but unlike Walmart i mean these dollar general stores they're not huge stores i mean they're not like Walmart super centers but at the same time they're locating in communities that are are a lot smaller that you wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't they don't make sense to have a Walmart that would serve them because they're not big enough but these dollar general stores well they offer the same sort of thing that they do you know at, at the local family grocery store in town but the big but is because this is a national chain and because they have huge buying power, they're able to offer the, the food. They're able to offer the, the Diet Coke. They're able to offer the potato chips. They're able to offer the candy bars for a lot less than you're going to be able to buy them from, you know, if you go into, you know, the regular grocery store that's, I mean, serving the small town. The effect of this is is this is this is the new Walmart. You know, when Walmart came to town to various towns a couple decades ago, what you saw is the family hardware store, you know, that was downtown went out of business. What you saw was the family paint store went out of business because they couldn't compete with Walmart. Now you've got these dollar general stores that are spreading all over the state, again, particularly in these rural areas, and a lot of the, the small grocery stores in particular, family-run grocery stores, they're getting killed by this. They're just absolutely getting killed by this, and they're saying, okay, we don't know how we're going to be able to survive the onslaught from Dollar General. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, you know, this isn't Internet shopping here. You know, this is, I mean, because, again, you're, you're, you're not going to, in all likelihood, you're not going to be ordering your Snickers bars or, you know, your, your bounty uh, towels or anything. You're not going to be ordering them over the Internet. But this is the battle, especially, again, in the rural, the smaller areas. This is the battle with the established grocery stores versus the, the giant new breed of convenience store that's coming out and offering lower prices. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I would like to talk about with you in, in general terms, particularly if you live in an area where you have one of these dollar generals or you patronize, you know, one of these dollar general stores. And again, this isn't to be confused with the everything's a dollar store. These are more like giant convenience stores, but lower prices. You know, are they going to drive? Are they going to drive the mom-and-pop grocery stores in these smaller communities out of business? Is there anything these stores are going to be able to do to compete with this? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. That This is this battle with these Dollar General stores 
this is the, the same thing that we went through, you know, when Walmart started spreading across the country, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. These are, and again, I know they have some in you know, certain parts of Milwaukee, but these Dollar General stores, they're they're cheap to open, they're cheap to run, sales floors average about 7,400 square feet, which is about two-thirds the size of a typical Walgreens. They don't have delis, they don't hire butchers, but they're taking away a lot of business from mom-and-pop grocery stores, particularly in some of the more rural areas. All right. Are they going to be able to survive? And by that, I mean, are the mom and pop stores going to be able to survive? Ron in Rome, Rome, Wisconsin, not Rome, Italy. Hi. Yeah, Jeff, Rome's a resort area, and the only store there before is a general store. It's about a medium-sized grocery store. They sell hardware. They have a deli and a bakery. And the general dollar came in a couple of years ago, and I don't really see them hurting their business. They don't compete on the same level. You know, maybe on some items people went there, but... The, the uh, general store in Rome sells, you know, IGA uh, generics and stuff, and they manage to keep themselves pretty competitive, and right. they're, they're much busier than the general dollar. Well, pl- plus they have, I, I mean, I assume they have like a butcher, they, they sell meat, and they, they do a butcher shop, yeah. and they do like, and they do delis they and things and like that. Bakery, yeah. And, you know, during the summer, they're busy with tourists, but even all winter, they, they stay pretty good. Uh, yeah. I actually prefer shopping there over some of the bigger stores in the next town to us because it's you know it's easier to run in there and get stuff and sure. not have to walk to two miles the other end of the store and that right no exactly no, th- see i guess i, I th- this is going to be a challenge and i guess i see i was one of these guys and i know there's a lot of people out there that hate walmarts i i'm not one of them because the, the truth of the matter is walmart fills a certain need and, and yeah i mean i think it does does when walmart comes into a community does it make it more difficult for the local hardware store it does but they just have to figure out how they're going to compete. And I guess I look at this the same way. Uh, Jeff, my father-in-law lives in the tiny town of Radisson. He's actually very excited. Um, their grocery went out of business several years ago, and he's had to drive 30 miles to Walmart for anything he's needed. He's looking forward to a local store and the potential for townspeople to work in town rather than driving. The town does have a great local butcher, and Dollar General has agreed not to sell meat and compete with the butcher. 414-799-1620. Terry in Delafield. Terry, you're on WTMJ. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Uh, you know, the other one, there's one identical to it. Same uh, model. Everything is Family Dollar. Right. I mean, Family Dollar is less successful than Dollar General. But, yeah, they're they're the big rivals. Yeah. But they're, you know, because I drive truck and I travel all around all these little, I was over in Animal Street for many years, and I'm in towns that, they don't even have a stop and go like, and there's always a family dollar, a dollar general. Right. You know, it's just like the same. And I, if I give room to stop in the truck, I'll go in and get the necessities for being on the road. Because uh, if you stop at truck stops, you know, they're going to mail you for stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of people who like it, and, mm-hmm. you know, because they pick on, you know, not pick on, but they go to the smaller um Oh right, no that that that's it. No, they're they're not in there. They're not in there competing. You're, they're not going to open one of these across the street from a, from a Walmart or a Target or something like that. They're going to find an area that they believe is is underserved, and they're going to go in, and that's what they're going to do. But you like them? Yeah, I do. And I'll tell you, I don't know uh, how much smaller Dollar General is, but I really think that they're the same size, if maybe just a tad bit smaller. But I know I've seen a warehouse in Ohio, and it's absolutely huge and you know generally wherever i go midwest east coast uh, down south they're in little towns they're they're right next to each other 
Right. No, it, no, no. Thanks for calling. No, it's, I mean, and, and this is coming to Wisconsin. By the way, I, you know, Family Dollar, I said, let me see, I got the numbers here. Family Dollar, which is the principal competitor for Dollar General, Family Dollar has 140 locations. Um, and it's been pretty much stuck there since 2013, whereas um, Dollar General is the one where there's been growth, 171 stores in Wisconsin, but more and more. And again, these aren't. These aren't the dollar. These aren't discounters. That's Dollar Tree, where everything's a buck. I understand it gets a little bit confusing. I guess I look at this, and I think it's like anything. The, it, you know, competition has a role. You know, is the local grocery store going to be challenged if this moves in? Sure. That just means you've got to figure out how to build that better mousetrap. You've got to offer, okay, we've got the butcher shop. We've got the meat. We've got the special bakery or whatever. Figure that out, and you'll do fine, just like the hardware. There's still hardware stores out here, even though there's Walmarts and there's Targets around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Well, we've got good news and bad news. The good news is his flights were on time. He cleared customs without any international incidents. The bad news is you know, he's back in Toronto, and the Bucks are down a game. John McCure. John, hello. Hey, Jeff. Man, it's a much different attitude here. When I talked to you earlier in the week, Raptors fans were nervous. They were afraid. They didn't feel good about things. I was just out here outside the arena on the plaza, and, boy, has that changed. The swagger is back big time. I mean big time. I think we've got them where we want them. I feel okay, too, (laughs) to be honest with you. Yeah, exactly. uh, they, They they feel really good, though. I mean, and how you know how couldn't they? I mean, we came in here before; they were down two zip, and now they're a win away from uh, from from moving on, and they are happy. They're joyous. Here, here's what my uh, the guy sitting next to me on the airplane said to me. I thought this was interesting. He's a Toronto native and was a very nice guy, by the way. We made small talk, and he said, "Where are you from?" I said, "I'm from Milwaukee." <laughs> he had a wry smile on his face. I said, "Are you a basketball fan?" He said, "I am." And I said, I'm coming here to do the game for the radio station that carries the Bucks for the flagship station. And he said, you're from Milwaukee. How's that working out? Ooh. And it's just, that's that's the attitude. I mean, it's they are oh. cocky, I guess is the right word. Okay, let me tell you a story that, that, you know, that, that will make you feel better. 1982, Brewers, um, this is the year they went to the World Series. The, to get to the World Series, they had to beat the California Angels. It was a five-game playoff series. First two games, so it's best of five. First two games in California, the Angels win both of those games. So then they come back to Milwaukee, and I was living downtown at the time, somehow got tickets. So I'm riding a bus out to to County Stadium at the time. I'm surrounded by all these Angels fans. Same sort of thing, cocksure attitude. Oh, this is, you know, we'll be in the World Series, etc. Brewers won three games in a row. This, This, I think, could shape up to be 1982 all over again. I like the way you're thinking. Uh-huh. I like the way you're thinking. You know, and Coach Bud knows what he's doing. This team has played together all year. Last night was the first time that they reassembled that starting lineup. They'll be even more comfortable, I believe, going into game six. They'll space the floor like they need to. And I wouldn't want to be dealing with a Giannis who has his back up against the wall. So we're not done. Okay, so um, you're you're actually there ahead of the team. The team isn't going up till later on this evening. You know, what are you going to be doing hanging out in Toronto? 
Yeah, that is the plan. So the, the team will get here, you're right, Jeff, later on this evening. Greg Matzik will also arrive a little bit later on. Uh, so I've been out trying to talk to fans. I've been trying to find Bucks fans. That's been uh, pretty scarce. But I think it's also because it's so early in front of the game, I'm hoping to see a little bit of Toronto. Uh, when I was here earlier in the week, I did some cool stuff, but I didn't get up in the CN Tower. And I'm not a Heights guy, but everybody's told me you got to do that. I think it's the fifth tallest building in the world, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to find some poutine, and I'm going to get ready for Game 6 tomorrow because I'll be inside there. You know, I... I hear you talking about that poutine, and I have had that before. And to me, it's just a way to mess up French fries. I'm sorry. I just, I just. It, first of all, it looks like a heart attack waiting to happen. And if I'm going to do that to my body, I got to really, really love it. And I, I, the stuff I've had. Now, maybe I've just never had good poutine. Perhaps. I think you haven't, Jeff. I mean, it's basically French fries, and it's got cheese on top of it, and then you can put meat. I mean, the one I'm looking at maybe getting tonight has corned beef on top of it. So it's like French fries, a little bit of gravy. The heart attack part is fine, Jeff, but if I stayed away from stuff that I thought would kill me, I probably wouldn't eat anything. <laughs> well, okay, here's what you need to do for your Twitter feed. If you decide that you're going to go all in, yes. you know, I mean, you, you got it. You got to take a picture of the uneaten poutine with all the stuff on top of it and and then, you know, send it out to all the rest of us so we can decide if that's the way to go. So, oh, do we have, do we just lose John? Okay. Just lost John. All right. Well, we, we got the general idea. John is going to be in Toronto. Uh, his, his version, he'll be doing Wisconsin's afternoon news from, oh, you got back, you back, John? Oh, I think I'm here. Okay, there you go. We, we, Am I we, here? We, yeah, you're, well, I, I've got you, so don't say bad words. Okay. So your plan, you're going to hey, be. The only, the only thing I was saying was. Yeah, I, I'm going to tag you in the Twitter with the poutine, and then you check it out. You let me know what you think when you see it. Oh, um, okay. I will. I will agree. I will share. Okay. So your schedule is you're going to be doing Wisconsin's afternoon news this afternoon, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. And then uh, I will be doing that this afternoon, and then over to the ball, then over to the arena tomorrow. Okay. And then you are coming back, and if. If there is, if and when, Game 7 occurs, you're actually going to be coming in and working Memorial Day, and you're going to be doing uh, a, a sort of a different version of Wisconsin Afternoon News, sort of almost like a talk show version before the game, right? Yeah, I'm really excited about that, Jeff. That's what we'll do. If there's a Game 7, we will do a special edition of Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Greg Matzik and I and the team will be there. We will be talking Raptors. We'll also talk a little bit Memorial Day because that's a very special day in my heart. But we will do special Raptors-Bucks coverage on Memorial Day beginning at 3 o'clock if there is a Game 7, and uh, that's what we'll be doing. That is the plan. Out there at the Deer District, that place will be nuts. It's going to be up for grabs. It, it will. And a lot of activity last night. Okay, John, glad you got there safely. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Bring home a victory, and we'll hope to see you at the Deer District on Monday for Game 7 between the Bucks and the Raptors. That's a plan, Jeff. Thanks for okay. having me. Sure. Take care. That's John McCure. He cleared customs. Yeah, we were talking about that last week. We we were discussing this earlier. He had um, he had gotten a new passport, and he was somehow his, his the old passport number had been entered on his like plane reservations. He was saying, "Do you keep the same passport number?" And I said, "Well, I just I just got a new passport too, and it's a different number." And but he was able to clear customs, no problem. Uh, and again, I think it's very cool that the station has sent John up there. And if there is, just a quick programming note for Monday. If there is a game seven, you know, he's going to come in. All the rest of us are off for Memorial Day, but he's going to come in and he'll do um, a modified version of his program from outside the Deer District. Hope there's a game seven. I'm, and I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna about this, but I, I do think back 
1982. And I can remember, grew, this is an honest to God true story. I can remember riding on this bus. I lived at Juno Village at the time. And I would, you know, we had a couple tickets, and I remember riding on, on public transportation to go out to the old county stadium, surrounded by these Angels fans who were just so cocky. Oh, we've got Tommy John is pitching, and this is when Tommy John was the pitcher as opposed to being the name for the surgery. He's going to take care of them, and we're going to do this and do that and the other thing. And, I mean, the Brewers had the back, their back to the wall, and they won three in a row. So it can, in fact, happen. So don't give up hope. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Drew, who's producing the show today and always, I have just learned something. See, this proves that you can, in fact, teach an old dog new tricks. All right, we were talking about the thing that John McCure is talking about eating. I have had that on multiple occasions. It does nothing for me. It's just, again, it's like French fries and stuff on it, and it's greasy and gravy. I just, I have, I have no interest in this. But I have always thought it was called poutine, because that's how it's spelled, P-O-U-T-I-N. Well, two listeners during the break have pointed out to me that that is not the proper pronunciation. And, you know, because, because I am of skeptical nature... I spent about the last four minutes of my life trying to figure out, I'm checking out different dictionaries and things like that, and apparently in Canada, they don't call it poutine. The E is silent, and it's like Putin, kind of like... Kind of like the um, the Russian dictator, but you know, but not, but Putin. That's uh, the E is silent, and I thought somebody was pulling my leg. But I mean, that's all these different websites say you Americans are pronouncing Putin wrong by calling it Putin. Now it doesn't change the fact that I don't like it, so I'm not going to order it anyways. But but nonetheless, all right, we we do want to be correct, Putin. All right, kind of like the Russian uh, leader. All right, Jeff, I love the show. Almost always agree with you. I completely agree with you about Putin. As far as the Bucks go there, they're done. Man, this isn't 1982. They're done. No experience, no heart last night. Hope I am wrong. Well, I, I hope you're wrong, too. I, I hope you're wrong, too. I'm just saying that there is there is a history in, in Milwaukee of sports teams that people had written off for dead Coming back from the dead, and I, I'm sure people can come up with other examples of it, but the one that jumps to mind is the uh, 1982 Milwaukee Brewers. All right, ESPN. There's a big story on ESPN, and maybe in the Los Angeles Times the other day, and, and maybe I, I bring this up because it confirms something that we have talked about on this program before. You know, ESPN faces a challenge. I'm talking about not ESPN Radio, but ESPN Television. Because more and more people are cutting the cord, right? They're deciding, okay, I don't need cable. I don't need uh, satellite dishes. And the way, one of the ways that ESPN, for example, generates revenue is they sell their service to different cable providers. And when I'm telling cable providers, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak at a broad brush. So it's whether it's DirecTV, you know, the satellite dishes or, you know, whatever. ESPN charges the providers X amount of dollars per subscriber for them to run to, for, in order for them to have their content. And ESPN has always been the, the go-to thing. You know, you couldn't, maybe you can run, maybe you can run a cable company and you don't carry 
home and garden network. And not too many people are going to get upset. But, you know, you run a cable network, you've got to have ESPN. And so ESPN has pretty much been able to charge the cable providers, the cable companies, you know, what they want, because whatever they want to charge them, because they know the cable companies are going to provide for that. Well, that dynamic is changing a little bit because what's happening is you have more and more people cutting cutting the cable. So they're cutting the cords. So that means that there's there's less money, for example, coming to ESPN. If ESPN charges, pick a number. If, if they charge uh, Spectrum Cable $4 a customer, for example, and Spectrum Cable loses 10% of its customers, well, okay, you know, do the math. That's less revenue coming into ESPN. So anyhow, there, there's a new president at, FB, at ESPN, you know, and, and he's He's talking about, you know, the ways that they're trying to figure out, you know, how to continue to move ESPN in ESPN, you know, into into the future and how to keep it relevant. And I I think there's there's no question that they're going to be able to do that. But interestingly enough, in this L.A. Times story, one of the things that they addressed was, you know, um, one of the things that's turned a lot of people off to ESPN is the fact that ESPN consciously became more political. This is what they're saying to the ESPN president. You know, you had, you know, in the era of Donald Trump, you had more and more of the personalities who were, um, you know, talking about, you know, social justice and things like that. And we've discussed this on the program. And my point was, I mean, it, it's it's just a turnoff. When, when, I, when I watch ESPN, I, I want sports analysis and I want the scores and, you know, I, I want to watch the games. I don't want to watch a bunch of sports figures, you know, giving me their own personal political views. And I don't, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to have their own personal political views. That's fine. God bless them. I'm just saying when I'm tuning in to watch ESPN, I don't want to have, I don't want to be lectured to by some former football player or whatever about what his views on politics are. I'm watching it for sports analysis. And I think that that's one of the reasons that you had at least some people who decided, you know, they didn't want anything to do with ESPN anymore. Now, there's other factors as well, including that there's all this competition that's out there and that nowadays with, you know, access on social media and stuff, you don't have to wait. If you want to see the highlights of the Brewers-Phillies game, you know, you don't have to, you know, wait till 1035 on SportsCenter to see it. You know, you, you can... You can go on your smartphone and you can watch this. But interestingly, on the area of politics, here's what the new ES pre- president uh, of the new president of ESPN said. He said, you know, we, we've been studying this. And he says, without question, our data tells us fans do not want us to cover politics. <laughs> um, and, you know, to which I say, Amen. You didn't need to do, you did not do, need to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on any sort of survey on that. I could have told you that, and my guess is a lot of other people could too. He tells the LA Times, without question, our data tells us fans do not want us to cover politics. He said, my job is to provide clarity to the personnel. I really believe that some of our talent was confused on what was expected of them. In other words, some of the people that were hosting Sports Center or were hired for political commentary might have been confused and thought that they also were supposed to offer political commentary. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but anyhow, he says, look, we've 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 had our all right, you know, we've had our moment now and we recognize that fans watch us for sports. They don't watch us to cover politics, to which I would say, 
Amen. Amen. And I'm glad somebody is recognizing it. You probably came to that conclusion a long time ago. I know I certainly did as well. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner. Friday afternoon, final couple segments of the program, which means it is Pop Culture Corner. We do this every time this week. Um, of We do a number of segments. Sometimes we talk movies, sometimes books, sometimes TV, sometimes food, sometimes sports. Just whatever kind of tickles my fancy that I hope will be of interest to you. Well, all right. We are going into the Memorial Day weekend. We talked before about the real significance of Memorial Day. But the truth is, in some respects, this is kind of the unofficial start of the summer season. People starting to plan their vacations. Well, that was the theme song from the movie Vacation, Holiday Road. And I thought for this Memorial Day, it would be fun to talk about road trip vacations. So here is what I would like to discuss with you. Your favorite vacation place for the summer, favorite summer vacation place, but, 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 it has to be something you can get to via car, via car. has to be a road trip. So, you know, we're, we're not talking about, you know, driving to the south of France or something like that. South of France is absolutely wonderful. But as you look at the upcoming summer season, if you were going to recommend somewhere or maybe it's getting you to your happy place, I'm not putting a limit on, on how far the car drive can be. I'm not saying it has to be within 30 minutes or 60 minutes. But if you were going to take a summer road trip, fun place to drive to, Great summer vacation. You're going to pile all the kids, get them into the family truckster, head off to Wally World or whatever. Where is the best road trip to go to? Where would you recommend to all the people who are listening to us? 414-799-1620. I've got a couple ideas, but we want to discuss this with you. We don't go gently into the good weekend on the Wagner Show. Pop Culture Corner. All right. Road trips for the summer. Where do you want to go, and where should you go? 414-799-1620. Gru is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. As I always say, please call in early because our phone lines tend to jam up, and you don't have to overthink this. Go with your first instinct. Boy, I can tell you where I really like to drive to. It's only a couple hours away or whatever, but I'm not putting a limit on time. I mean, maybe maybe it's one where you got to drive 24 hours to get to. That's okay. It's just where do you want to go on a road trip this summer? We're back with your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620 is the number. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, Pop Culture Corner. We're talking about summer road trips in recognition that this is kind of the unofficial start of the summer season. Let me get it started. Give me an idea. You need about, you probably need about 10 days, maybe a couple days more, maybe 12 to do this right. But I would say Washington, D.C. You leave southeastern Wisconsin, head out to D.C., go via Gettysburg. You know, if the Gettysburg, especially in the summer, I've always believed with battlefields, you should go visit them at the time the battle was fought. 
Of course, the battle in Gettysburg was fought, what, 1863, at the end of June, early July. So, I mean, because then you can really appreciate what the people who fought in that battle, what it must have been like. So you go to Gettysburg, you go out to Washington, D.C. I mean, I'm telling you, if you haven't been to D.C., it's spectacular, and it's a great way. Take the kids, show them Washington, D.C., and then if you've got an extra day or so on your way back, Take a trip down to Williamsburg. Go on down to Williamsburg, Virginia. You know, it's going to add a couple days, but if you get a chance to see Colonial Williamsburg, you'll never forget that as well, and then you come on back. So, okay, that's that's probably about a 10-day road trip. Doesn't need to be that far, though. Mike and McGuanago. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Jeff. I hope you have a good weekend. You as well. I'm going to have to say uh, Door County in Wisconsin. It's mm-hmm. a gem. It's not really a hidden gem. been going there my whole life. I'm upset that I'm not going to be able to make the family trip this weekend, but so much stuff to do and see and explore. Uh, It's a sportsman's paradise up there. The guys can go fishing during the day. The wives can go do some winery and uh, sightseeing and everything like that and reconvene at the end of the night and have a nice meal at a supper club. Where do you go? Is Is there a particular place in Door County that you like to go? Um, usually stay at Bayshore Resort and Little Sturgeon okay. in that area, come into town and stuff like that when we need to, but all different areas. And, you know, if you make the trip up to Washington Island, you could drive your car, get on the ferry right. to Washington Island, and just pretty cool stuff up there. you got to go. You know, we get an influx of people from Illinois up there, but heck, they're supporting the economy up there, and it's a good thing. A- absolutely. They're spending money. No, you, you can't go wrong with Door County. My wife, ap- I mean, she actually, she, it's kind of kind of scary. She's listening to the program this afternoon. So she sends me a note that says, Door County and then Wisconsin Dells. You know, and Door County, I mean, the thing I like about Door County, and I don't go as regularly as some people do, but, you know, if you're a golfer, I think Peninsula State Park, especially the the back nine, which is got some spectacular views of the water. I mean, it's it's well worth the price of admission. So I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with Door County. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, vacation road trips. Where do you want to go for the summer? Let's talk to Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, if you haven't been. Matheson State Park, which is right by Starved Rock State Park, uh, both of them in northern Illinois. Really? Uh, I live in Kenosha, so it's a couple hours of a drive, but uh, it is not too far. And if you've never been, you have got to go. They've got some of the most beautiful rock structures, and especially uh, Matheson State Park has some really huge canyons down in there. Uh, if you've never been to the Grand Canyon, of course, it uh, can't compare to that. But uh, so, what, what do you do? Do you hike and all? Beautiful. Do you hike oh, and all? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You hike all over there. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you're supposed to or not, but you can even <laughs> go swimming around in the water down there because they got a little waterfall. Uh, we went down in the summer and we had just had an absolute blast. Very cool. Very cool. Okay, thanks for call. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Road trip vacations. Okay, let's not fall too far behind. Let's go to the text. Uh, Mackinac Island. You know, I have never, I have never been to Mackinac Island. I know a number of people who have. They tell me you got to get there. I, I just haven't haven't been there. Okay, here's another one. Jeff, the Dakotas and Montana and Montana and Wyoming, the Badlands, the Black Hills, Mount Rushmore, Yellowstone and Glacier Parks. Yeah, that's a that's just a spectacular area. I um I, I knew a gal in college and her parents lived in Rapid City, South Dakota. So we would occasionally go to, to visit and then you'd you'd go up to 
you know, you go up to Rapid City, and then it's about like 40 minutes to get out to Mount Rushmore. And uh, unfortunately, at the time, you had to go through a lot of like tourist traps type of stuff, like, you know, see water run uphill and that type of thing. But but once you got to Mount Rushmore, first of all, you know, the, the whole Black Hills are just absolutely and totally spectacular. I had a, a friend of mine who worked summers at Wall Drug. You know, you always see the sign saying, you know, Wall, you know, Wall Drug, um, and, you know, X number of miles to there. Um, and it was it was very very cool. But if if you're into camping and hiking and stuff, no question that is absolutely spectacular. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Our favorite place to go is the Apostle Islands in Bayfield County, Wisconsin. Um, another text, Manaqua, Wisconsin. Yeah, I think I love Manaqua as well. No question about that. A couple more for Mackinac Island, 414-799-1620. That's the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The, the thing is, there's so much great stuff that is around here. You don't necessarily have to drive very far, but... Like I say, if you want to go on one of those road trips, um, Washington, D.C. would be a tremendous one. 414-799-1620. Kevin in Berlin. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Where are you going to go? Where Where would you go, your favorite road trip? Uh, we, we are going. My best buddy and I, we talked together. I just retired this last year, and I had told him when he retired a couple of years ago that I have a trip planned for us. And he said, okay, where are we going? So we are doing the sports. Hall of Fames. We're going to head down to Canton, Ohio. I've been there. Foot Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yep. Football Hall of Fame. Head over to Cooperstown and then to Springfield, Massachusetts for the NBA Basketball Hall of Fame, and then up to Toronto and do the Hockey Hall of Fame, and finish up in South Bend, Indiana, at the uh, uh, College Football NCAA uh, College Football Hall of Fame. How long do you think it's going to take you to do that? We're going to be gone two weeks. Okay. Yep. Okay, but and that sounds like a it sounds like a relatively easy drive. I mean, you're not going to be doing a, a two-day travel any day and uh, spend as much time as we want, where we want, when we want. Well, that's very cool, Kevin. It's it's interesting. Um, I, I, th- this, is, I'm, I'm, this is not a, a road trip in that we're going to drive, but um, my, wife is, my wife wants to go to Niagara Falls. She's all, Fran's always wanted to go there. I have always wanted to go to Saratoga Racetrack, which only runs like mid-July through August. August in Saratoga, New York, kind of upstate New York. Um, it's like one of the oldest and most exclusive racetracks in the country. And I've wanted to, always wanted to go there. And I've always wanted to see Cooperstown as well. So as a matter of fact, I've, I've actually been kind of planning this, this out. And we would, wouldn't drive all the way, but you fly into Buffalo, you rent a car, you go up to Ni- I, I'm not sure which way we'd actually do this. Fly into Buffalo, rent a car, go up to Niagara Falls, and then maybe to Cooperstown, and then to, to Sar- Saratoga, and then Cooperstown. I have to kind of map it out. But that that's on my list as well. Chris in Oconomowoc. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Real well, thank you. What do you um, think? Where do you want to go? My, I do this every year. I always go up to Hayward the last weekend in July, and uh, I attend the Lumberjack Championships. Oh. Okay, Lumber- do you participate or do you just watch? Ah, uh, no, I wish. I, I just, uh, just observe. <laughs> okay. I, I, no, but I, I always see the stuff from there, and there's the guys that are log rolling, and they're chopping down trees and stuff. It looks like it would be fun. Oh, it's a blast. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. Hayward, yeah, I mean, I have actually, I have been to Hayward. That's You run for statewide office. You get to a lot of places. Don in Waterford. Don, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Okay, road trip for the summer. Okay, so we do this annually. Unfortunately, I'm not going to get to go this year. My wife's uh, having a baby. Yeah. So 
That would mean you're having a baby too, right? <laughs> we're having a baby. <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Canada. We'll leave on. A, we'll go up to Canada. Uh, about a twelve to sixteen hour drive, depending on how far north you want to go into the country. Uh, it's pretty neat up there. You can disconnect from service. You don't have to have your no phone service up there. No internet. Right. You can see black bear. You can see moose. You can catch a bull load of fish, and it's relatively inexpensive if uh, you get a nice group to go. Okay, yeah, and, get, and I'm sure that what what do you fish for up there? Uh, lots of walleye, mostly walleye, and nothing but walleye. Okay, got it. Well, I think I think I, I love walleye, no question about it. Um, let's let's see. This is a great one. Uh, Ron in Bayview. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. <clears throat> My best trip is uh, Highway 35. Along the Mississippi yep. River, starting in Prairie du Chien. Yep. Can't go wrong. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, you know, I mean, thanks. For, I'm, I'm glad you called because sometimes here, when you're based in the southeast corner of the state, you you forget about the western part of the state. And, you know, that, that whole area, I mean, if... If I were to design just a couple day sort of fun picturesque road trip, you know, I would talk exactly about what you're saying. You know, you, you drive up, you know, Chippewa Falls and Eau Claire and La Crosse, and you come all the way down, and you end up maybe in Dubuque or whatever. I, I just that that whole Mississippi drive along the Mississippi, it is just stunningly, stunningly beautiful. And there's a lot of nice little towns along the way, and you want to stop and take your time and enjoy the ride. Um, yeah, um, this. You know, no question about that. All right, we've got a lot of other people, but bottom line is, okay, here's the deal. There's a lot of stuff that's close. Okay, maybe you can't afford to buy the plane ticket to fly to Hawaii or to fly to Europe or whatever, but that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy stuff that's around the area. A lot of fun ideas, and wherever your summer vacation takes you, I wish you happy travels. All right, when we come back, we'll find out what John McCure, who is in Toronto, by the way, speaking of happy travels, we'll find out what he has on his mind. Stick around.